earlier today, we hosted Governor Philip Rochebrook once again at St. FM. I began by asking him what his overall impressions of the election process were. I was very, very pleased. I think the, the, the election went off much as I expected. It was very well, the actual election day itself was very well run, from what I can tell. Uh, it seemed to pass very smoothly. You had probably a marathon count afterwards, but at the end of the day, we got a result. And, uh, and uh, overall, the, my understanding of the monitors, and we have, remember for the first time we had international monitors from the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association. My sort of initial chat with them, they seemed quite happy. So I'm looking forward to seeing their report. Uh, but overall, I'm, as I say, I, I think it passed off really smoothly. And during the election itself, I, I was pleased that most of the candidates put out manifestos, which explained where they stood. Uh, they took advantage of, sort of new technology, and we had the cameos uh, on the uh, promo channel, and people came on the radio. And I saw a number of their manifestos were published in the newspapers. So I think uh, the general public had probably the widest amount of information possible on which to make their choices. And you had 29 candidates, the largest ever, um, to choose from. Absolutely. And we keep talking about this as going down in history, yeah. but it really was in every way. And I think even the way the candidates are engaged with the public, yeah. I haven't seen that in previous years as much, but they also went out and, and really wanted to get a feel for what the public were saying. I, I, I have to agree with that. Um, I felt there was a buzz. Yes. Um, I, I have not been here for previous general elections, but there's certainly a buzz. Now, the ministerial system, the... the um, 29 candidates came forward and that's um, it meant that more people wanted to be engaged in, in the political process. On top of that, I know the Chevening Scholars um, did their projects with the school and they were overwhelmed with the, uh, yes. the uh, years 13, uh, 11 and, and 12 age groups who were really committed. And I think we had the big event in the council chamber and some extremely good questions yes, from, from the youngsters. Uh, on top of that, I said we had the new new developments of manifestos. We had, people got out far more. I saw posters everywhere. So I think there people were um, energised yes. for this election, and uh, I'm pleased the way it went. And we've got 12 candidates, a, yep. a pretty good mix Absolutely. from across the whole spectrum of the island. Of course. And uh, this week, of course, we uh, have elected our chief minister, who will now be choosing her advisers. And, of course, there are certain aspects of the ministerial system that they are going to have to get to grips with. Do you see any sort of challenges in that respect? Yeah, I think, uh, as I said in my um, sort of president's speech at, at uh, the first LegCo on Monday, uh, there are a number of issues confronting the island. Uh, to some extent, they've mounted up. And they've now really got to be tackled. Um, let's go through process first. The, the Chief Minister has been selected by the councillors, and that happened on Monday. Uh, under the new constitutional arrangements, the Chief Minister's got uh, a week to identify and name her who she wants to be the um, new ministers, and also what their portfolios will be. So by Monday, well, hopefully we should know. Uh, and my expectation is that the minister will, because Exco is in a minority, you have five ministers if you include Julie Thomas as chief minister, plus you have seven who are not ministers. So that was uh, engineered by the previous LegCo because it, it meant that it was a check on 
sort of absolute power of ministers. They have to go back to LegCo and persuade at least some of those members to vote for them. So uh, logic would suggest, I'm sure, uh, is that so you're looking for ministers that come from all different aspects of the uh, Legislative Council. Um, to um, so, so as near as possible, it's a sort of consensus-based uh, government. Yeah, and we, and we have, a, I'm sure you will agree, we have a very good mix there because I'm also going to mention the fact that uh, uh, with the election of Martin Henry, uh, which I think is very heartening because he was also one of the candidates chosen for the commission, uh, mm. uh, you know, with the, with the mm. ministerial commission. So I think for that, to actually see his journey end, I mm. think for, for, the, for the community, I think that's been quite warming. Yes, and that helps with continuity of thought. If um, he was part of the governance commission, which I put together, um, over a year ago uh, now and that looked at the options of either modifying as much as possible the old committee system or defining a sort of St. Helenian version of the ministerial so um, clearly uh, he, he was energised uh, to stand for election which was very for good sure. absolutely um, you mentioned in your speech on Monday about the role of the public service which is of course to assist councillors so that they gain a better understanding of you know, the functions that exist um, and, and the way these services operate. Is it also true to say, to a certain extent, that there will be greater accountability with also within the public sector because we've now got ministers having a closer involvement with portfolios. So there's a, there's a two-way uh, street, isn't there? There's, there's mutual understanding, yep. if you like, on both sides. Yes, uh, that's exactly what it is. Now a, a government of mutual... Um, in assistance. Yeah. Um, under the old committee system, you know, the, the councillors worked very hard, but uh, often it took a long time to make decisions. It was a little bit blurry who was making them. Um, and on the administration side, you had the managers had to do something. And they were not well, they were not getting as much clarity on what they should be doing from the, from the politicians. So inevitably, human nature is we'll do something. And then of course, if there were politicians who didn't like what they did. They got criticised. So the idea of the ministerial system is we sweep all that away. Instead, we have now where you have five ministers who ultimately are responsible for the direction of each of the subjects, you know, health, education, environment. Uh, and they're assisted and advised by the public servants. But ultimately, the decisions on what we do is made by the ministers. Then... Uh, once that decision is made then of course it's the job of the public servants to deliver it and so the key function in that connection between the politicians and the public service is the portfolio directors they are the senior person in a uh, senior official in each directorate they're the ones who have the, almost the day-to-day -day discussions with ministers about the issues of the moment and uh, they brief upwards and explain the options the ministers may consider once they make a decision the portfolio directors then brief downwards to their, their uh, officials to, to get things done. So it's a symbiotic relationship which uh, a good minister should try to foster. Uh, during last week, the um, Civil Service College in the UK gave two days of um, briefings and uh, work uh, le lectures to the new councillors, and the portfolio directors were also there. Uh, uh, they had three ministers, ex-ministers from the UK, explaining how they operated as ministers. So, so this was a really eye-opening yes. for everybody, both the, the officials and 
the new um, councillors on hearing it from people who've done it before okay. and how it would work. And all of the ministers emphasised that you've got to have a sensible, practical working relationship with your officials because as a minister, your success hinges upon how well your department operates. But likewise, officials um, feel are, are only uh, most satisfied when they've given direction on what they should be doing. So uh, I'm quite impressed with um, the administration and the sort of induction program they're giving the councillors um, that have just been elected. That's good. Uh, obviously, with a new council, we're likely to see um, a change maybe in, in political directions as what we've uh, observed uh, prior. Uh, in going forward, do you, do you envisage some further organisational change and, and I mention this with regards to the fact that I know government has had the Fit for the Future programme we've already seen quite a bit of transformation do you also see that that, that could be a possibility? Um, that's really a decision for the Chief Minister uh, there are some sort of concepts of ministerial government firstly uh, there is what's known as continuity of government that means a new government is bound by the decisions made of the previous government contracts, um, laws invent, uh, uh, laws passed and so a new government can change them but on day one of a new government you are still bound by what's been agreed before otherwise you get massive disruption of course the second thing is uh, it is ultimately the gift of the chief minister to decide a which area of government that she wants to lead and which area of the government she gives to her new ministers and on top of that, it's within the gift uh, of the new uh, Chief Minister, probably in discussion with her ministers, if she wants to move things around. Yeah. And that's known as machinery of government changes. And it's not unusual for a new government to say, we want that type of that unit or that policy area moved from one ministry to another. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's really, really it's what is convenient for the yeah. new government. Okay. But thank having said that, I'm not aware of any changes. <laughs> okay, thank you. I think you made a, quite a fundamental statement on Monday, and I'm just going to, for, just for the benefit of the listener again, go back to where you talk about various very serious financial, economic, legal, and community issues which confront the island. And of course, it's something that the new council are going to have to address in very early stages. Now, of course, uh, we also had yesterday the budget speech uh, with the Chancellor, Rishay Sunak, who's talking about uh, the foreign aid budget remaining as it is for the next three years, which in itself is going to put continuing pressure on the budget for, for St. Helena. Now, the, there are obviously tough, difficult decisions for our new council uh, to make in going forward. And I think it's really important, um, the point being that politicians are elected not always to make the most popular to de decision, but they're actually elected to make the difficult decisions. And I, I think that's coming through in, in very early stages already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's two or three um, areas that I'd like to sort of address. Firstly, the, the last one first. Uh, the, in, in, general, in general elections, the, the voting public essentially make a sort of unspoken contract with the people they vote for. They have, to some extent, given the responsibility and the authority to those 12 councillors to make decisions on their behalf. Yes. Um, so, so all governments uh, of any sort of shape and size 
uh, our general public, by and large, are expecting the vast majority of decisions that need to be made to be dealt with either by the ministers or by the whole council. They're not expecting to come back every five minutes and saying, what do you think about this and what do you think about that? Because uh, the whole idea of an election is you have these politicians who, who, have a, who do that for you. Otherwise, uh, you've got your lives to get on with. Clearly, if there's big fundamental issues like moving to the ministerial system and having a consultative poll or a, a massive new thing like an airport, then it's quite legitimate to go back to the general public and say, give us your views. But by and large, general public expects the people you're now paying for to be yes. councillors to make the decisions. I also think the general public are sensible. They know some decisions are going to be easy, but most of the decisions are going to be difficult. And that you can't make a decision, really, without upsetting somebody. So it is a job of the politicians, be they ministers or councillors, to essentially de decide on behalf of the general public, what is the greater good? If we do this rather than that, overall it will be better for as many people as possible. Um, and that requires courage. Uh, and we have a number of problems confronting us that are going to require courage, and the decisions are going to be difficult. That brings me on to the, the other part of your question, is that what are those problems that are facing us? Uh, okay. At the end of the day, it's up to the new ministerial system, uh, ministers and the chief minister to decide which problems they want to tackle first. But again, the general public are, are pretty sensible people. They can see at the moment you know, public yes. expenditure is constrained, you know, there's, bi there's bigger waiting lists now at the hospital, there, you know, there are things not being repaired. You know, public money is tight yes. and it's probably going to stay tight. The financial situation around most of the developed economies is they're in pretty big debt because COVID has mucked up their financial calculations. That means that whilst we're battling in the governor's office to get as much as we can for the budget support, I think it would be a pretty tall order to expect us to be able to get more than we have this year. I'm always hopeful, but we have to be realistic. Um, that means it's cr critically important that that portion of the budget that comes from local taxes is achieved. Because if you don't achieve that, then the overall amount of money is going to be reduced. And if money is less to spend, then that means the public sector has got to tr trim it, pull its belt in somehow. How it does that is, again, the, 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 within the gift of, of the councillors on when they decide next year's budget. And I think so, so, part so, of this... So the, under, the overall amount of money in the public sector is going to be tight this year, and I have to sort of forewarn it's going to be probably tight next year. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think part of that would also be, uh, and you're quite right, I'm, I'm sure that generally the, you know, the, the St. Helena community understand those constraints, and I think you mentioned these as being early priorities because I think once the public understands what politicians are faced with uh, in terms of making decisions, then you have that understanding of why a decision was made because even though we have 
constraints on the budget. It's we, as a public, have expectations for certain services to mm -hmm. be provided as they are being provided now. But when the councillors or politicians are met with prioritising that budget, then you start to get into really tricky, difficult areas about where do we consider what our priorities are. So, for example, our priority is the health budget, education budget, and, and that's those are the difficult situations that politicians are going to find themselves in. Exactly. Uh, yes. The, it is the politicians... If you've got a constrained amount of money, you can do two things. A, you have to reduce what you spend, or B, you try to find money from somewhere else. Taking, if we can't find money from somewhere else, then the budget is going to be limited. You know, just like your home finances, you can only spend what you've got. Yeah. So if it is the, the tricky decisions that the politicians have got to make is where they want to put that money. It is perfectly legitimate for them to say, we want to spend more on health, we want to spend more on education. But it means they've also got to make the tricky decision on where you're not going to spend it. Are we not going to spend it on maintaining houses? Are we not going to do it on the roads? Are we going to reduce yeah. the um, amount of um, people in the, the planning department? So planning applications take longer. Or, yeah. uh, or are we going to reduce the amount of money we're prepared to pay for contracts to, to contractors? Mm -hmm. So that's the decisions that the government has got to make. Mm -hmm. And I think we have the budgeting process about to start, so I'm sure those will be hitting the minister's desks pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. The second half is, where do we earn more money? Yes. So, because at the end of the day, um, St Helena hopefully will eventually earn its way out of its sort of limited uh, conditions. And uh, that comes in from really only two places. Uh, more taxes or more inward investment. Yes. More taxes can only happen if you've got a, a bigger, uh, more dynamic private sector that's bringing in new money to the island. Mm -hmm. uh, so, again, so the, the issues of what do we do about quarantine yeah. almost certainly are going to be a, a big issue that the yeah. government's got to decide soon on. Do we continue to have very restrictive quarantine for 10 days for everybody, vaccinated, non-vaccinated, or do we have a more nuanced system? Vaccinated people, it's different from unvaccinated. And that's what that roadmap, if you remember yeah. a few months ago, tried to explain. Uh, again, it's now the decision of the politicians if they want to um, restart more attractive um, entry arrangements for travellers, because that brings new money to the island. But at the end of the day, it is the politicians' decision what they want to do, and if they decide not to do it, then of course they have to appreciate the consequences. Yes, I was going to say they're, they're actually well. Yeah. If you don't make because there's all, I think politicians are always having to. And again, we go back to the question or the comment that we will do what we think, or we will make a decision that we think is in favour of what people are saying. But you have the other side of that where there are side effects, if you like, of that decision where you have people say, facing further financial ruin as a result yeah. of a decision like that. So it's a, it really is caught between a rock and, and a hard place. Yeah, I'll give, yes, that's a very good example. You know, if, you, if, if you sort of, if the politicians, you know, councillors decide the general public view on the street is maintain this highly restrictive entry arrangements, fine, perfectly legitimate. But on the other hand, you, you've, how, you've also got to realise that your existing private sector may get smaller and smaller, yeah. uh, and the opportunities and facilities that you, you have on the island 
may get less and less. If you're prepared to accept that, then that's fine. That, that is the political calculation that councillors have to make. Uh, but ultimately, at some point, St. Helena has got to rejoin the rest of the world. Uh, I think now most people recognise that COVID is not going to go away. It's, you know, it, it's as endemic as flu or, or food poisoning. <laughs> you know, we're always going to get it somewhere. Uh, and so that's why most countries now are racing to get uh, highly vaccinated. number of people in their islands, and we're very lucky at 97%. And we've got 97%. Some vaccines coming as And well. the boosters, I'm told, it's coming on the flight on the 8th. Mm -hmm. That's for people over the age of 50, and I think the, the uh, younger group from 12 to 17. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I'm told on the flight, you know, don't, don't, don't nail me against the wall if it doesn't make it on the flight, but it's certainly the flight, that's what they're planning for. Mm -hmm. uh, so we will maintain a high degree of vaccination. Mm -hmm. So that should be a reassurance. Uh, and so uh, it's interesting to see really what the new administration, yes. uh, what the new government and uh, political administration decides to do. Absolutely. Now I'm going to ask you a question uh, which you uh, might have a little chuckle about as governor. What are you looking forward to uh, with the new ministerial government? Because I'd like to know, can you relax a little bit more and take a bit of a back seat while the new ministerial government takes a steering role? H how are things are going to be in the governor's office going forward? Uh, well, the governor's office is always busy. Yes. Um, I've never known a day when it's not. <laughs> but yes, I think the, 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 the dynamics will change. Uh, um, we now, because the whole concept of moving to the ministerial system was to create a more uh, politically accountable, politically clearer who's responsible, and uh, hopefully a swifter making of decisions. That's you know, you've given a, an executive authority, if you like, to these new ministers to do that on behalf of the public. Uh, they will keep other councillors informed, but. The expectation is ministers will make decisions, um, uh, and uh, which uh, before perhaps were for spread around various committees. That means if you have a more decisive and, and clearer-minded government, uh, which also is, is working towards the, sort of the vision that the new chief minister is, is going to present, then yes, hopefully I can sort of I, I've got to be I, I can be more. Um, uh, supportive yes, rather than sort of trying to keep role. nudging yes. things yes. forward which yes. was uh, which uh, I have in the past yes. so yes I'm, I'm hoping for a more um, uh, sort of symbiotic yes. relationship and uh, really to help the new administration and government take forward what they want to do and that help comes in two or three ways you know, getting London to support things yes. finding extra little pots of money to help fund things to um, you know, give advice on, on what's happened elsewhere and perhaps ways in which you could take something forward which is perhaps more efficient or effective. And of course, constitutionally, um, the governor to some extent sort of upholds the constitution to make sure that the, the decisions and the laws that the, the new government decides to have don't fall foul of the constitution. Um, and uh, so in that sense, it's a, a hopefully a, it's more of a, a supportive sort of um, supportive friend uh, and uh, confidant and advisor. Good. All right. And is there any anything additional from your office, um, Governor? That you, I, I know your speech on Monday told us quite a bit, actually. Yeah. But is there anything uh, additional that you'd like to share with listeners? Well, it's a bit, uh, it, although the governor's office is busy at the moment because there's no laws being taken forward and there's no big new policies because we're still waiting for the ministers uh, and for LegCo and Exco to get started. 
most, of, most of the work we're doing at the moment is sort of the other things. Um, there are quite a number of separately funded projects from the CSSF fund and from the Blue Belt yes. that we are progressing. Uh, so um, we, are, we are helping the RSPB on this massive uh, cloud forest project. Of course, we had HMS Protector here recently, and you have no idea how much organising that takes behind the scenes. Um, on the sort of two other sort of things that happened recently, we've had the um, these new bravs arrive, these uh, underwater cameras, which the marine side are using. Uh, that was a big um, finance, uh, financed by uh, FCDO. Uh, and we've also been negotiating to get these booster jabs to come through. Again, the logistics behind that. You know, people see it arrive at the airport. They don't realise the 26 the people involved behind the scenes behind to get it there. Uh, and all the paperwork you have yeah. to produce. The, um, the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association Election Observer Mission, uh, we were busy working with them on that. And by and large... Uh, we're now preparing for some of the set piece events, Remembrance Sunday, uh, along with the uh, yes. SHG administration, and of course uh, I have the flag ceremony, um, which is something I've instituted on the 11th of November up at Plantation House. So uh, we, we are keeping ourselves busy doing the other things that usually people don't, uh, are much more low profile and people don't realise are going on. Yeah. And, and also the projects you mentioned, Governor, I mean, they actually bring in a great deal of money to St. Helena and we must never overlook those tranches of funding that mm. come in and can actually and actually the spin-offs for the islands economy mm. you know you've got people coming in in staying in accommodations hiring cars eating in a restaurant so there's lots of positive uh, and, benefits and contracts and, and contracts for local businesses one, contracts. Uh, contractors uh, uh, you may be seeing at the moment down at the wharf the old freight shed is being uh, fitted out to become the new marine laboratory that is paid for entirely by the Foreign Office. Yes, of yeah. So that would be a nice uh, new facility, uh, which we have, um, hopefully, I'm told, <laughs> by, uh, by the end of December. Yes. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I, I, I think it's important to highlight the way that, we, you know, we talked about pressures on the budget, but I think it's important to highlight the way the UK government continues to support St Helena through those, uh, you know, th those types of funding because they're hugely beneficial for the island. And it, although it's a little bit tucked out of the way, at the meteorological station there's a new building being put up as well, to, 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 and that, that's important because it's, it moves people out of the porter cabins, for they seem to have been there forever. <laughs> But also it cements the involvement of the Met Office and almost guarantees the future of that meteorological operation well into the future. Because no one's going to build a big building if they're not intending to stay and continue that work long into the future. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else that you'd like to uh, add from your list that you have there. Uh, uh, no, I think I've covered most well, of my things. And yeah, we've done well. Almost 27 minutes. Uh, obviously, it's been a pleasure having you back at St. FM. On a lighter note, of course, uh, your wife Janice is mm -hmm. back on island with yes. you. I'm sure she also has uh, some activities that she's involved oh, with. Yes. Of course, we're all preparing for the festive season as well, um, Festival of Lights. Anything uh, on, on that that you'd like to uh, finally share. Oh, I have to have a quick plug, don't I? <laughs> As, uh, on, uh, I think it's uh, the, the last weekend in November. Yes. We have the, uh, the big Christmas fair at Plantation oh, House. Yes. Uh, for, uh, the, the entrance people pay and is for charity. So I would encourage when the advert goes out for any stall holders to get in touch with Debbie Yon. Uh, we had quite a good turnout last year, I think 30 stalls. Yes, and uh, excellent turnout from the general public. So um, 
If you're looking forward to kicking your Christmas off in style, uh, we have the affair coming up in the last weekend mm-hmm. of November. Well, Governor Washbrook, thank you so much for coming to St. FM, and of course we wish you all the very best. I look forward thank to coming you. back again and seeing you soon. Take care.